Welcome to the Breaking Bad podcast on West Coast Project. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. Uh, yes, that's a little clip from this episode. We're into season five now, and the final stretch is here up to uh, Better Call Saul coming up in, what, about a month exactly, huh? Yes, 31 days, somebody pointed out. Today's January 8th. I think it's February 8th that it, that it comes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty cool. So we're on episode 5.1, Live Free or Die. Do you remember anything special about this one, Kelly? Well, this one, I noticed that uh, usually at the beginning of the seasons, Vince Gilligan will be either the writer or the director. And uh, he was the writer of this episode, and Michael Slovis was the director. And Michael Slovis is a cinematographer for Breaking Bad and is really responsible for a lot of the look, the, the weird lighting, and a lot of the crazy shots. Um, so this one is, is going to be excellent. This one, uh, we start out by seeing Walt at his 52nd birthday. Uh, he's at Denny's having breakfast. And it made me wonder, Kelly, about this. Now, this Denny's is right in the middle of Albuquerque. He's back home. What would have happened if somebody would have been in that Denny's that knew him? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Uh, it's funny because that Denny's, um, they closed it now, which is kind of sad. While I was there, you only had a, like a couple days to go in and get a quick picture. But, yeah, it is right on Central Avenue, right in the middle of where anyone could have walked in. Because he's not trying to hide anything about himself. He looks a little different. He's got the hair and he's got glasses and he's got a beard. He just looks kind of bedraggled and like he's been unkempt for a year. Mm -hmm. Or at least a few months, but anybody could have recognized him and probably would have recognized him. Yeah, I don't know if anyone was really looking. He looked kind of like the Unabomber. Just, I don't know if anyone would really be looking for, you know, a guy that straggled out, but luckily no one walked in. The waitress sees him arranging his bacon into the 52 and asks him, What's up with that? And he says, It's his birthday. She says, You get a free meal on your birthday. All you got to do is show an ID. And he tries to just shrug it off, but then he thinks, well, okay, why not? And he gives her the ID uh, with a different name. It's Skyler's maiden name, I guess he's using now as his last name. Yeah, that's actually uh, Vince Gilligan's mom's maiden name as well. I think he uses a lot of people's real names uh, in the show. It was interesting, too, when she asked him how far it was from New Hampshire, how far of a drive, and he said 30 hours. I didn't even need to look it up. Like, I trust Vince Gilligan and his writers so much that I just believed it, that that was probably almost extremely accurate, that 30 hours, if you just stop for gas, is probably right on the money. Right, you would be correct on that. He is uh, such a stickler for uh, details, and I appreciate that about him very much. So we see Lawson again, uh, Jim Beaver, the guy who sells him the guns. And he's there with his M60, the big machine gun that we're going to get to know and love later on in this episode or in this season. Um, Jim Beaver's a great actor. He's uh, just if this guy was real in real life, he would look just like this guy, I think. I agree. Yeah. Now, just imagine, Kelly, I was thinking about this, too. This one made me think a lot. This, this episode. Just think how Walt's frame of mind must have been at this point. He knows he's. He's essentially inventing the instrument of his death. And he knows his time on this earth is almost up, right? He's taking the cancer pills. He knows one way or another, pills or bullets, he's, he's going to be done. And uh, he's got he's to gut, gut it out and just make it all happen. 
Um, it's a pretty tough frame of mind I think you'd have to be in to, to gut this out like this. Yeah, plus it's his birthday. So you remember in the pilot, you know, he had the veggie bacon and and uh, life was very simple except for, you know, the cancer. But now, you know, you fast forward to what he's 52 here. Um, you know, he doesn't have a lot left to really look forward to. Right. He's got days <laughs> really, mm-hmm. at this point. So I'm going to compliment Gillian left and right, but I also have questions that, that I wondered about at the time and what, on the rewatch made me think again. Now, he goes out to the Volvo, and he gets his bag out of it, his, his clothing and stuff, and he switches it over to the car that Jim Beaver brought him with a gun. Kelly, how do you drive a Volvo 2,500 miles across country and not get caught? Because that's, that's the same car that he started in the snow, right, at the, at the very end? Right, but I think once he got out of the state, um, you know, even if somebody at the bar had reported it missing, I don't know how far those systems are connected, but, you know, there's people all over the country that get away for a lot longer, um, you know, if he's just inconspicuous, drives the speed limit and makes it. Um, I don't think it's really that much out of the realms of reality that he wouldn't get caught. Yeah, I I don't know. I thought about this one pretty deeply because remember he's a pretty wanted guy at the very end. They know it's him making that call, and I guess they don't know he's in the Volvo, but they probably would have put two and two together that the Volvo's stolen. This guy that just called is missing. I don't know. Seems like they would have put two and two together. Possibly, yeah. But I guess if he got arrested, we wouldn't have a show. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> I'll give him that creative license, I guess. Yeah. So we jump right back into the ending of, of the fourth season, 413, with the call. That's the call Skylar was making from the, or I can't remember ever if Walt called her or she called him. Uh, she from called the, him from Hanks. Yeah, from the Schraders about Gus blowing up. Um, and it's the I won call again. I won. It's over. So he goes right to cleaning up the uh, bomb in the plant from his house, all, all the evidence of his uh, creating this bomb that blew up Gus. And he settles down to have a nice drink of whiskey, and um, he's proud. He's, he, I guess Junior comes home, and Junior's proud of Hank. Uh, and that, I think that gets Walt upset, right? He's more proud of Hank and giving Hank the credit for catching Gus. Yeah, he's super excited doing the typical teenager thing, and I don't even know if Walt's really, he didn't have the TV on or anything, and here this kid comes blasting in, and I don't know if he was really ready to prepare prepare himself for that. Uh, Yeah, he was really giving Hank credit, and you know that irritates Walt with his ego. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So everything seems good, but then we're going to see the problem that they have with this video. So the next thing we see Hank and Gomi in the lab, and there's not much left of this lab, Kelly. It's really, it's really interesting. They, they, they totally wiped it out. But it's, it's interesting that I re- this also came back to me in a memory that Gus created exactly what he was trying to offer up to Don Eladio. Yes, that's I know, true. I know that's brutally obvious, and people are probably shaking their heads hearing this on the podcast, but... It's so close to having done this rewatch of 411 or 412, whatever, Hermanos and Salud and all that was. But that was what they offered Don Eladio. I don't think it's too obvious. I, I think it's good to point it out because I hadn't put that together. 
You know, Breaking Bad's such a fast-paced show. It's hard to make all these connections all the time. Yeah, and at the time, there was almost a year in between, I think, season four and five. It was a Mm -hmm. long time. But that was essentially exactly what they offered up to Donald Audio. It's like this lab, everything's in it. You make everything yourself. You don't rely on anyone else. You're independent and self-sufficient. But Hank and Gomi are checking out the lab and um, looking at everything. And Gus gets compliment from Hank. And it's another, it's another Vince Gilligan culturism, I think, Kelly. He says, Fring, you magnificent bastard. And he's just admiring the lab and all that. But that's exactly what George C. Scott said as Patton in the 1970 movie Patton. Oh, okay. He says, Rommel, you magnificent bastard. I read your book. He's looking across uh, the, the field at Rommel's tanks and stuff and yeah, I know Vince Gilligan had to see that movie and kind of steal that line from it. Absolutely, and I, I like the fact that you get to see uh, Gomez and Hank in the suits. You know, it's kind of funny to see them sort of doing the, the Jesse and Walt look. Right. They're in the suits, but they're still doing this, the kind of friendly, insulting um, banter that they have with each other. Yes, absolutely. What is uh, what is... Gomi say something like, come on, you get get it out of your system before you need to have it removed surgically or something. He knows Hank's just bulging with self-confidence and pride because he was right. Right, yep, and, and rightfully so, too. Yeah, it was pretty cool watching that. So Mike's ready to come back to kill Wald. He's, in the, he's still in Mexico, just remembering how close all this was to the, to the time that they were in Mexico. He's just now finishing the week of recovery, and he finds out that the guys have taken care of Gus, and he's just infuriated about that. Yeah, I think one of the benefits to Gus taking uh, Mike and Jesse to Mexico is he did leave an opening for Walt, uh, because that would have been a lot more difficult if Mike had been there. That's true. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. He was out of commission for that whole week. Right. So um, we see more of that yellow, Kelly, that Mexican desert yellow. Yes. I really don't think they have to filter their cameras much. I bet that's really how that looks in that lighting. Yeah, yeah, it is. The landscape there is very um, kind of golden that way, too, especially out in the more desert areas. Do you know anything from your research on your Breaking Bad fun facts or Better Call Saul fun facts, if they filtered that light or if that's natural? No, they definitely filtered it. Um, and again, Michael Slovis, who, who does a lot of the, the look of the show, uh, wanted, I don't know if it was him specifically, but they wanted to, the viewer to know, hands down, that they were in different states or different places. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't look like that just you know right out the gate, but they definitely uh, wanted to make it look that way so you'd know the difference. It might have a hint of that look, and they, they accelerate it or they enhance it more and more. Right. Well, Jesse and Walt, uh, Mike's on a rampage, so they interrupt him and kind of get, they jump in his face. Jesse jumps between him and Walt, ready to blow Walt away. And they they remind him that they've got another problem they've got to figure out, and that's this video, this, this recording of the video of all three of them actually in the lab. Right. This is one of my favorite lines of Mike's is when he says, it's the universal sign for keys. Yeah, the hand held out. I really like that part. But, yeah, they, they've just gotten rid of Gus, and now they've got a whole other problem. Just like Breaking Bad, there's never a dull moment. Yep. 
and Heisenberg, Walt as Walt Heisenberg is really starting to display itself now. He's just really a jerk, and he's so confident and so cocky, and that clashes really directly with Mike. Yeah, I mean, definitely, he's got uh, the whole Heisenberg thing. I mean, he's really on a high. He's, you know, you think about like the previous times where he was, um, you know, cocky to. Skyler, he's cocky to Mike, he's cocky to um, Saul. So he's just really on a high. So um, Hank confirms for us that this is really a problem, or at least it's got the potential to be a problem, because he oversees the the police checking the evidence, checking that laptop into evidence. Mm -hmm. So Mike calls about... um, he does a fake phony phone call into the police department about electric meter fraud or something. Um, he's Inspector Dave Clark, like the Dave Clark Five. Uh, <laughs> probably went over a lot of people's heads, but I guess they were a 60s band that Mike was probably a fan of. Um, and the laptop is in evidence, and uh, the you get another one of your phone snaps here, Kelly. I love the phone snaps. <laughs> Mike wastes the uh, flip phone by breaking it in half, throwing it away. And Jesse has a new role now, Kelly. He's the moderator. He's the he's the social moderator between Mike and Walt. Yes, he is. Yep. I mean, you you know, Walt. One thing, no one, someone who's never relented against Walt is Mike. Um, you know, a lot of people have kind of seen Walt's way here or there, but so far Mike just goes right up against him, and you know that infuriates Walt. Yeah, exactly. So they're looking for a way to get at this computer, and Mike and Walt are arguing, and Jesse comes up with the magnets. Magnets, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And we get some more old Joe, bitch. It's pretty good. They go uh, test out their magnet theory on a new computer uh, laptop by using the magnet that old Joe uses to lift up the cars in his, in his wrecking yard. Uh, the, it, the cool thing about this is old Joe kind of explains to us the economics of this. It's like, he says it's feasible, but a lot of things are feasible. It's just too expensive. I use this magnet every day to make a living, which I guess is probably a pretty practical way to look at it. Like, you can't just take my magnet. I, that's how I make this junkyard run. Right. Um, but they do decide to buy it from him. I guess money's no object to them at this point. And Jesse has to loan Walt the money. Seems like their relationship's mended a little bit. Jesse's loaning money now, like not, not even a second thought. Right, I like that about Jesse because, you know, he could give Walt a really hard time about that, but being Jesse, he's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, we see that a few times in this season with Jesse. Yes. He plays the moderator one more time here and keeps Mike in. Mike's ready to say, shut this down. You know, kid, if I were you, I'd take the money and leave right now. And Jesse kind of keeps him in, keeps him, keeps him going with the caper. Right. So at the, at the car wash, we see Skyler and... Skyler's kind of reading up on Gus on the on the internet about what happened to him, and Saul comes over. Uh, so this is the first time we see Saul, and he tells her about Benicky and his accident. <laughs> you can just see the dread in Skyler's eyes and her face. Like, what? What the hell? What do you mean accident? Um. And then we go back to the magnet test. So, with a few side comments about male jewelry and piercings. Um, we get to see the magnet pull the computer, pulls the image off the computer, and then literally pulls the computer right out of Jesse's hands. 
Right. And, you know, it, it is funny. I like it when they say why, why when Aaron Paul or Jesse says, why are you all looking at me? But what's interesting about that magnet scene, it's so cool how they did it because they had a pulley um, that they would attach to the laptop. And then, of course, Aaron Paul would pretend that he's walking forward and then they would pull that thing and snap it and snap it up against the truck. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it goes on a on a thread, like on a beeline right to the truck. It doesn't arc down or anything. It's like a straight line. Right. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, so let's see what's next. So Mike, and, and he throws in a couple lines about, and don't let your credit cards get ruined. You're going to need those for Miller time. And Mike says, there's no Miller time. Come on, you guys, get get serious. Mike's I think it's my favorite Mike line. I love that line. The Miller time one? Uh-huh. The way he says it, and just, he just, it was such an eye roll. I just, I, I, I have not been a fan of Mike's really, but that really made me like him a lot more. I like that line. Yeah, I liked old Joe's version of it too. Like he, like he's thinking of like, he's putting out for us what every person thinks in, in their, you know, blue collar job. Like all they want to do is get to five o'clock and get to Miller time. Right, yeah. So next we see Skylar going to see Ted, and we see her version of her, her own internal Heisenberg. Um, at first, she looks really horrified and shocked and even sad seeing Ted in that bed with his head wired up and all that. Uh, but then once she realizes Ted is truly afraid of her, she kind of relishes in it. Yeah, I noticed that, too. And you, did you notice the line uh, that he used was the same as with uh, Jesse and Mike after Jane's death? You know, I uh, I tripped, or I don't remember what exactly he said, but he said, that's all I know, or that's all I saw. And that's what Jesse had said to Mike when they were trying to cover up Jane's death. Yeah, pretty final. Don't ask me anymore. I'm not, I don't have anything new to tell you. It's like, I won't, I won't spill the beans to the cops. And I really didn't expect Ted to be petrified. I thought his ego and the way that he's such a jerk that he would be upset and, and yelling how he was going to sue her or something. Um, I was kind of surprised that he was so fearful of her. I think it reveals like how weak of a character he really is. Right, absolutely. He succumbs to this money and buys the first big flashy bauble he can get, you know, this Mercedes, and he doesn't do the right thing. He just is kind of weak to his desires. And yeah. he's truly afraid here. But the interesting emotion was Skylar picking up on that fear and then just jamming her foot on the pedal. Like, good, don't don't make sure you don't. Uh, I really thought that was impressive. Yeah, because when she walks in, she looks like, oh, shit, oh, God, what I do? And then, you know, she probably gets a taste of how Walt feels when people are sort of submissive. Right. So the boys pull off their magnet trick. They go to the police department, and it's very spy versus spy. We see Mike doing the cool spy stuff. He shoots out the video camera with the wasp spray. And hot wires the keypad on the gate. And it works. They get the magnet to pull everything over in the, in the evidence room. And that even pulls the van over sideways. And, and they get away. And Walt is so ultra smarmy here. His Heisenberg is totally taken over. Um, he just says, it worked because I said so. Or I know it worked because I say so. Something like that. Yeah, and for some people who, you know, are into electronics and have a wider knowledge than maybe some other audience members, they had uh, were wondering how Gus's laptop, you know, how they managed to get that over. Apparently, the newer models have a stronger magnetic field, uh, so they it was Gus had an older model 
uh, that didn't have a flash memory in case anyone was interested in that. And that's how it was able to get pulled over. Because I guess some of the newer ones, that wouldn't be possible. So you can't erase the memory of a flash drive? It has to be one of, like a spinning drive? Uh, apparently, yeah. It said it just didn't have a flash memory um, and that the new ones have an immunity to the strong magnetic field. So I'm assuming that's what that means. Okay. Yeah. We're going to learn later that the laptop was clean, or if not clean, it was at least encrypted, that they wouldn't have found much on it anyway. Um, and their antics with trying to get the laptop clean or erase it actually reveals this new piece of evidence, that photo with, right. the, with the bank account on the back. Um, and I guess it's a it's a bank account and it's a Swiss bank account in the Caymans that is um, Madrigal has Madrigal's name on it. Right. Yeah. So once you think, okay, now it's all cleaned up, then we'll wait. What's this? And I find something behind the picture. Like you can never get a break. You can never get it all cleaned up. There's always one little thread here, here or there that's going to lead back to something. Right. So we, at the very end here, we see a few things that are interesting. We see Walt menace Saul telling him he's not done till I say you're done. Um, and then a few things also are confirmed here, Kelly. We learned that Walt did set up uh, Brock's poison, that whole trick with Brock's poison. And we learned for sure that Huell did lift the cigarette from Jesse's pocket. Um, and I guess we also learned that Saul's not Clarence Darrow. <laughs> yeah, he's a two-bit bunch, bunch lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Plus he's ready to he's ready to bug out too, or at least tell them, you know, you guys you hit the lottery, you don't go back and buy lottery tickets, you know, why don't you bug out? Right. I think he says that there. He says that somewhere early in the season. Um and then Walt goes home and forgives Skylar of all things. This was one of the creepiest scenes I've seen with Walt uh, and with Skylar, but Walt forgiving her and, and coming up to her and trying to be kind of intimate and kissing on her, and you can just feel her skin crawling in that scene. Yeah, I think we're going to see him get even creepier next episode, but that was very creepy. Yeah, she admits she's scared of him. She has uh, the... He has the he has this implied power like I'm the I'm the all ever seeing overseeing father figure and I forgive you like what right does he have to forgive her? Right, so he does that with her and then he's all snarky with Mike and then he's telling Saul you know it's it's over when I say it's over so yeah he's definitely just on a total power trip to the point where as a viewer I started to really dislike him. I want the show to keep going. I want the caper to be successful for him to get away with it. But I'm starting to see that I don't like him as much as I had in previous seasons. Uh, I've always been Team Walt, and I just think that it's realistic the way if you kill, you know, a major, you know, drug guy who's been holding you, your feet over the fire, uh, that would be a kind of a realistic transformation. Yeah, I probably did really feel a burst of that power. Mm -hmm. All right, Kelly, that's it for season five, episode one, season five point one, one point one, I guess we'd have to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but live free or die. Live free or die is the state motto of New Hampshire. Um, did you have any more fun facts about this one, Kelly? Uh, just interesting that um, if you were a Sopranos fan, Vito uh, also ran off to New Hampshire. So I don't know if he got the idea from that, but maybe, uh, yeah. 
And then also, too, when he's in the uh, parking lot, we were talking about how he managed to get away. That Volvo that he was driving was actually the same model, uh, except older, as Gus. And we've discussed how he kind of takes over. Not that he had a, really had a choice when he stole that, uh, but that he takes over kind of the traits of the dead. That's right, yeah. Interesting. I didn't think about the Volvo being like Gus's Volvo. Yeah. So, Kelly, where can people find more of your fun facts? Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram and uh, Breaking Bad Fun Facts on Facebook. And what's your Twitter handle? BRBA underscore Fun Facts. And mine is at Scathing Tweets. So that's it for episode one. We'll be back next time to do episode two, Madrigal. I'll talk to you then, Kelly. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye.